come before your throne knowing that we have privilege to be here that we have had a price paid for us that we're welcome here we've been invited here by your precious holy spirit thank you holy spirit for being with us to help us in all things in all areas and we honor you today lord as our father our maker and our creator by giving you this time to do what you will in our lives in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so we were talking last time and admonishing one another to don't sell out amen don't sell out uh, because there's a a um reward to be given for faithful people uh, people who know how to endure and uh, that's not a bad word uh, that's a bible word uh, endure really means to uh, um, fulfill your obligation in this covenant you see these are things that are pre-prescribed everything that you do in God is foreordained for you there's he's not playing uh, by uh, you know play by play kind of thing it's not like if the enemy does this then you do that your words your steps are ordered Uh, your assignment is already set everything is set for you and so as you follow through on this then it's an endurance thing you know it's it's enduring uh, life in an alien country we this is not our home Uh, we're not going to be here permanently so it's it's not wise to try and set up any permanent stakes here or put too high a value on this current life and so we have to always keep in mind that we are on assignment here to be faithful to God as a spouse would be faithful to another spouse we are to be faithful in that and our reward comes as we're faithful to what God called us to at the very beginning when we're all first saved we all have that excitement about knowing God it's just like being first married you're excited because this is something you've looked forward to and you long for uh, sometimes we don't know that it's God we've been looking forward to but when it's revealed we have this zeal and excitement to please God, to uh, be devoted to him. Uh, but just like a marriage, over time it can uh, uh, can kind of get old and, and stale and you know whatever we allow it to be, it will be. I believe that if you stay obedient to God, and, and one thing I am very, very much uh, a stickler about is the company that we keep and how our minds and our hearts are influenced the atmospheres that surround us uh, the types of things that we do in our free time so to speak our time outside of church and outside of the assignments of God this makes all the difference in the world because if you surround yourself with people of like precious faith and you don't find yourself entangled in relationships with people who do not share the values that you share in God uh, you you will suffer loss and eventually what it gets deposited you know you'll start to see God and his people as an enemy instead of a friend and so I always admonish people when you start feeling like I've talked to people sometimes if they you come know, well God told me it's time for me to leave and I'll say well well what do you what do you what are your plans and then I get a hostility in a brick wall because I know there's some kind of offense brewing there you know something that's unresolved and so I'll ask them sometimes I said well you used to enjoy coming you used to enjoy doing what we do when did you begin to resent 
what you do for when did it flip from being a joy to a resentment and all of this kind of stuff and now well you know I don't resent well you know something's wrong you see what I'm saying there comes a point and a good marriage counselor will help you sort through that kind of stuff too when did it start to get old hat when did it start when did you say because there's always an incident that has happened that's caused an offense that was never resolved see they never dug in and say I gotta forgive I've gotta love I've gotta continue I've gotta and see that's the endurance factor can you still forgive can you still love can you still dig in and see that this relationship is worth keeping or are you going to be talked out of it because it's not to your liking in the flesh these uh, relationships spiritual relationships are very challenging sometimes to keep they're very difficult to keep because you will see people prosper around you and you may still be in the same spot you may come into a situation where you see people with flaws and they'll be above you so to speak or over you in God and you'll wonder how a flawed individual got there and if that begins to get a problem for you you will get stuck there and you won't be able to move beyond that in seeing others flaws now I can tell you a big tip off if you're that uh, attentive to theirs you probably got some you're trying to hide from somebody you see you want to hide yours instead of deal with them and so others are always more prominent to you well God deals with flawed people who's he going to use if he doesn't use flawed humanity there's nobody perfect out here to use I mean where are you going to go to find them and so and that's not that we're proud of our flaws but there's nothing we can do about them except offer them up to God and keep moving forward in the spirit as best we can so it, it depends on how you're willing to mature in things I found find sometimes people who disconnect aren't very mature they don't allow themselves to get over certain things and move on to maturity and so they're in a good position to sell out for anything that looks like it might be more fun or if they get bitter enough and disconnect from the people of God the comparison game goes through your mind when the sellouts all are always comparing themselves God didn't treat us right this didn't happen right and that didn't happen right and I want to say well hold on because it's all going to go downhill you don't think it can get any worse but it sure can and so it starts to go downhill very quickly after that people who are having those kinds of experiences if they would repent it would all turn around in one day it would turn around in one day but they still hold on to the bitterness the blaming this isn't right that's not right oh those people they don't live right out they're not being blessed of God well I don't know what's wrong but you know that kind of thing and so we have to be careful the condition of our heart what we let our minds feed on the atmosphere what we're drawn to the kind of people we like the kind of people we like to keep company with because if your assigned place gets to be uh, enemy territory to you if you don't feel a, a kinship and a fellowship in your assigned place then you're going to feel it someplace else and you, you get comfortable in a place that you're not assigned to but you just visit there and so we have to be careful how we get comfort you know what gives us comfort you should always want to be challenged in your walk with God you've got to be 
understanding that there are greater things to accomplish there's more to learn there's more to understand and there's more to do there are more souls to win there's all this stuff that's that's before us and if we will keep our mind stayed on what God has gotten us here for what our assignment is and stay in the assignment and in the zone that prepares us for the assignment to carry it out then we will not sell out you just got to stay where you are don't get curious about what's on the other side don't get anxious about uh, what's happening in your life never look at yourself as uh, a, as a sore thumb sticking out you know in a bed of roses don't you know don't look at yourself that way because that's always a sure place to be for the enemy to convince you that there's something wrong with you this is not the place for you you'll never get ahead if you continue people are just taking advantage of you Whenever you get in an atmosphere where people are working for God, notice the word work, then you're going to put forth effort. And many people resent effort. They think everything's supposed to come to them without any effort. And so we have to be careful how we interpret what's going on in our lives. You've got to measure it up against the word of God. Understand this. God is not cheating us out of anything. Everything that you have you earned by your faith. If you want more there's more to be had. But your faith has to be developed to that level. You don't have perfect faith and get a raw deal out of life. You, your faith it's according to your faith it comes to you. And so we need to understand this, accept it, and then we can move on in God and prosper the way he wants us to. It's not a hard life, but it's a disciplined life. It's something you can't, you can't be two different people and be successful in God. You can't be a good Christian in front of other believers and then you know, backbite them when you get away from them. That stuff will tell on you in short order. And so and it comes, the rug comes out from under you very, very quickly. So we always warn people to guard your heart diligently because everything in your life pours forth out of your heart. What's in your heart is expressed in your life. If your life's raggedy, there's something raggedy on the inside. You got me? And so we have to be careful to stay in the zone of the assignment. Stay in the zone of the spirit. Stay full of the fruit of the spirit. Don't let bitterness and and, uh, uh, jealousy and all those things start to grab at you. Because once they do and you start to sow seeds of jealousy into your prayers and into your wants and your desires. uh, It will come back with the fruit of what that does. Jealousy always takes a chunk out of your blessing takes a bite out of it and it leaves remnants and fragments that have to be repaired and have to be uh, perfected yet you know there's something lacking there's sorrow added to it and so we must be careful to keep our hearts pure before God so that righteousness pulls your your blessing into your life and you get the fruits of that righteousness so in our example we were looking at the apostle Paul that's our example of how not to sell out 
Paul I think has so much writing in the Bible because he was so faithful to God. You know faithful people are available people. I don't think he was favored any more than any of the other disciples or apostles. But he probably was the most faithful. And so God gave him letters to write. God gave him uh, uh, um, churches that he started. All of these letters to churches are churches that Paul pretty much started himself. And so you can see his faithfulness as their overseer, as their father in the faith, as the apostle or senior pastor over these people. You see his faithfulness to them in making sure he he uh, helps them to carry out the great commission in helping them clear up uh, confusion, discrepancies, all of that stuff related to uh, the preaching of the gospel. So Paul, there were three things Paul uh, talked about that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14 through 16. Uh, he says, I am indebted both to the Greeks and barbarians, the wise and the unwise. So for as much as is in me is I'm ready to preach the gospel I'm, I'm indebted to preach and I'm working off this debt he said because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ so we we believe that these are three principles that he lived by that if we are going to stay faithful we probably need to pick that up and live by those two number one to understand we're indebted and we talked about that debt being what we are assigned to with debt comes an assignment for payback we all know that and so there's a general assignment we talked about in the great commission then there's a specific assignment so Paul generally was assigned as an apostle to preach the gospel and specifically he was assigned to the Gentile nation which does not mean that if some some Jews showed up he didn't preach to them because we all know that he did and so but his assignment to go forth see there's an assignment if there are people in your immediate vicinity that need the word of God you give it to them but you know that you're called further out as well so that call further out takes precedence over what's here you can leave what's here and go further out when that door opens but you don't pass up the opportunity to preach the gospel Uh, and, and we all know that we all have that experience Paul was also ready to preach he was zealous zeal means that when you feel an unction you don't put it off and say well I'll do that later huh if you meet somebody and you you're anticipating the conversation will get around to the gospel or to what their needs are and you have a remedy for that so it's not like you live in a constant well I don't have to do that now I'll talk to them later or trying to find a a good time like you're in charge of that you're not in charge of that you have to always be ready as Paul was to preach the gospel and so he says as much as is in me is I'm ready to preach in other words I'm carrying my authority I'm carrying my abilities I'm carrying the anointing and I'll preach whatever is in me I can't give them any more any less than what's inside of me you got me so we never are fearful that we can't do the job that we don't have the goods we know that we can tell you tell what you know you know and we know enough to help somebody 
You know, you don't have to know everything, but you know enough to help somebody. And so that's the, the, the zeal that we have. That's the readiness that we all carry within us. It's a readiness to preach. A ready we have an open mouth. We have a testimony. We have a an experience with God. We have a, a, a church that we can invite them to. We have all of that. So we are ready to preach the gospel to the whosoevers that that uh, God brings in our midst. He stayed ready through a life of prayer. He said, "I thank my God. I pray in tongues more than everybody." Which was, you know, kind of a a play, but he he was trying to get them to calm down about their upset that who was praying tongues at the wrong time, who's praying tongues at the right time, and he says, "Ah, I pray in tongues more than everybody there. Y'all don't have nothing to complain about. You understand me?" And so when he was was saying that, what he meant was his time with God prepared him for everything that he had to do and we need to understand that as well when you're drawn to the word to read the word to edify your spirit to serve solve your own problems and issues in life that means that you are readying yourself for the assignment of God that's put before you it's not just so that you can get your your needs met and your answers or to check yourself off for that day. You know, if you're assigning yourself to read, uh, this isn't a check it off. This is so that you will be prepared. That word is coming into you and being stored in your spirit for a reason. Not only for you personally, but for others as well. <clears throat> And so when we when we understand that, then we know that, that we are ready for the assignment that God has for us. So we keep ourselves ready. Coming to church twice a week is part of your readiness. When you come, be attentive, listen, grab as much as you can. And then that way you're equipped and you don't have to spend so much time trying to catch up. You understand what I'm saying? And so we're ready to, to discern and to, to help and, and to do all of these things. So in Acts chapter of, I think it was chapter 16 we stopped there. Where Paul was jailed for casting that spirit of divination out of the girl that followed him every day. And so he stayed ready because he, he tolerated it as long as he could. I think it said many days she followed him around giving false testimony. Uh, the worst thing in the world is to be a legitimate minister and to get validation from somebody outside of the ministry. You hear what I'm saying? That's like the bottom of the pit. You don't need worldly people to confirm you. You you need the you, you never see in the Bible and especially you look in the book of Acts which is our blueprint for ministry as ministers. The Bible says the the elders of the church and the others apostles gathered together prophets gathered together laid hands on them and prophesied and sent them out and confirmed them and they went out confirmed by the church by the people of God the ministers of God the anointed of God you're sent out with the anointing you don't need Oprah to confirm you you don't go outside of the church to get people. You don't need Tyler Perry to lay hands on you and you fall on the floor like he's got something for you. You're confirmed by the church. And if the church won't confirm you, then you need to get on your knees and find out what, where you get your confirmation from. 
you understand what I'm saying you need to adjust some things and get some things right in you so that the church can confirm you if God's already anointed you you don't need other people what's all this insecurity we're seeing all, all over the place what's that about we see all these people. I think they're trying to get into places they're not supposed to be in. That's why you need man's endorsement. Because you're trying to open a door God has not opened for you. Just go stay in your little place. You were doing fine when you were a little guy. You understand me? But sometimes that draw of a desire to be more. It'll put you in a shame of the gospel. You have to be careful about that kind of stuff. You see more ministers shedding their uh, their office ministry, give office uh, in uh, identity. Now there are all these other things: motivational speakers, uh, personal life coaches. All this, they're all ashamed because now prophet doesn't mean anything uh apostle doesn't mean anything pretty soon they're going to make themselves kings you understand what i'm saying it won't stop and so we have to be careful that we understand our assignment that we keep our readiness and our zeal and we don't pick up that shame of what god has called us to do it's easy to do it when you're on the road selling out you get involved in all three of these these things so Paul in, in Acts chapter 16 was kind of a turning point for him because he's now being imprisoned more and more. And so he's uh, is kind of accelerating. He gets beaten in, in some cities and he gets released and then he's imprisoned here. And so we see a them on their way to prayer in Acts 16 chapter uh, verse 16 they're on their way to prayer and this girl's been following them every day and Paul just gets sick of it it said he was grieved in his spirit and so he turned around and cast that spirit out of her and then they wind up in jail well while in jail they just decide to pray anyway they say well we're on our prayer way to a prayer meeting we might as well have it in jail this is this is cool enough you know we don't have a we don't have the coffee maker and donuts and bagels like we usually have but i guess we can rough it here and <laughs> do a little prayer you never know the results of your prayers if you will obey the holy spirit you know these things are done by unction there was a great earthquake in verse 26. The doors were shaken. Everybody got out of jail free that night. And so it's a, it's, it's an, uh, a kind of alludes to the power of God and the gospel to free people up from burdens, chains, unnecessary imprisonment, unfair imprisonment. All of that was settled. You got me? When they were all came out. And so the jailer brought him out. The jailer and all his whole household get saved. Paul does not stop in his assignment. Don't ever let personal affliction and personal problems and personal persecution. And don't let that stop you from your assignment. He keeps on keeping on. Even though he's been in jail, he's been beaten, his feet have been chained up and all that stuff. He still has enough in him to minister to this gentleman so that his whole household gets saved. 
anybody else would probably be sitting up licking his wound somewhere trying to get some you know dial 911 get some EMS for me and all this kind of stuff but Paul decides to just keep going because he understands how to endure hardness like a good soldier he understands all of these things so these things become more and more clear to him as he's tested in these real life situations in Acts chapter 17 2 we see him in Thessalonica and so he just keeps moving on from one area to another and it says in verse 2 Paul as his manner was went unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures so here he is again he's just been beaten up and thrown in prison he doesn't stop he knows what's going on he knows the preaching of the gospel is what's getting him in trouble and he continues to do it anyway trusting that God is his help trusting that God no matter what's required his life has already been given over to God and he said I count my life worthy of nothing compared to the knowledge of Christ and so when you make statements like that you're going to have to be able to live through that you don't make glib statements and, and things like that you know like we are apt to do sometimes you know we all can say the right things but when it comes to that word being confirmed in our lives and we have a hard time with that and so these are the things that that you go through as you're a believer in this life these are the things that you will be tempted to back away from and not suffer them and not go through the difficulties that we will be going through as we are more faithful to preach the gospel in more different places and so he is able to uh, start up teaching the gospel again in Acts 17 verse 16 now he's in Athens and it says here in verse 16 now while Paul waited for them at Athens his spirit was stirred in him this is what we respond to is the stirring of the spirit to do these things and so his spirit was stirred in him and when he saw the city holy given to idolatry and so he goes in he begins to preach and to give people understanding never be afraid to challenge people's ignorance never be afraid to challenge their their uh, wrong believing with truth because God will back you up you're not trying to win an argument you're sowing seeds you're planting truth in the minds and the hearts of people you're not you're not this isn't about you this is about him and so his spirit became stirred because there he is he's ready again he keeps himself ready to preach the gospel and he begins to talk about the fact that there's a a, a, a monument to an unknown God and Paul says well I know him see he's not unknown to me I know who this unknown God is you you missed the the real one and so he finds an open door where the knowledge of the true and living God fits into their questions you got me only the Holy Spirit can give you this kind of revelation you can't sit there and try to figure out well how can I tell them about Jesus what do they need to know no you just open your mouth and God will fill it with words and so as Paul begins to preach and begins to challenge their idolatry then the Holy Spirit leads him into how to get these people to accept the Lord and to accept Christ 
So he's there preaching to these people uh, in Athens. Then in Acts chapter 18 we see him over in Corinth. And so we know that he wrote two letters to the Corinthian church. So we believe that it was a pretty large and inactive church. But he is faithful to check on the churches that he has established. Acts chapter 18. um, Let me see. We'll start in verse 1. After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and he found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius has commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them and because he was of the same craft he abode with them and worked for by their occupation they were both tent makers. So Paul finds a connection in some way with them in both in the fact that they are Jews and also that they are tent makers. Now most of us when we start preaching the gospel we leave our former occupations. But Paul in his zeal and readiness. You got me? Readiness. He finds a commonality with these people. Something to link himself to them. And he goes about helping them in the tent making process as a way of connecting to people so that he would not be a burden to anybody you got me when apostles go into cities to start the gospel and you'll you'll see this a lot if you read any of brother Summerall's writings or you listen to any of his tapes you'll understand what true apostleship is like when it's active in the earth he uh he was um, discipled and taught by um, an Englishman who was a teacher. I forget his name right now. It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah, Carter. Thank you. And he says he said that that Brother Carter taught him. Number one, we don't discuss money. If God tells you to do something, God will provide for you. You pray for your finances. I pray for mine. We don't pass money around to each other well that would stop 99% of ministers today because they all are looking for if they have apostle in front of their name they're all looking for a free ticket a blank check and somebody with deep pockets to finance what they feel that they want to do but Paul went there he said by revelation and by the Holy Ghost not by invitation and cush living promises you got me and so he was there to do business and so brother Summerall really pretty much lived the same way that he saw the apostle Paul live he got up began to preach and believed God to take care of him as he went and so Paul always lived in that way he didn't want to burden any of the churches with taking care of him he always said that he said the father should lay up for the children and not the children for the fathers in other words you're, you as a father most of you who are parents you know that it, it just rubs you the wrong way to have to take anything from your children you know unless it's a birthday or Christmas or legitimate holiday most parents don't you know yeah, don't, don't you know you take care of yourself you take that money and you put it somewhere and blah 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 they don't don't like doing that even when there's a need sometimes 
And so it's a, a good thing because then he was able to uh, move freely. He was able to do what he wanted freely. He didn't have to have anybody trying to bribe him to come. We'll send you a big offering if you'll come here. He was free to obey God totally in what he was doing. And so that helped his readiness because if you're ready to preach where God tells you to preach, you don't have to be shackled with obligations to humans and then have to change your message change your identity you don't change anything based on who you're you're obligated to he was only obligated to God so this also shows his readiness because he was ready to take care of himself when he needed to take care of himself and not be burdened and not have any other obligations than he needed to have so he made tents and it says also in verse 4 he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks and so he was there to preach this tent making was only a way to get him settled in with a a base where he could operate from but he was there more to do the the preaching than he was to do anything else and so of course he was persecuted in that city verse 8 Crispus the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord and all of his heart and a lot of them were baptized and the Lord spoke to Paul at night in a vision and said don't be afraid but speak and don't hold your peace in other words keep up preaching Paul don't ever stop preaching for me see these visitations from God all of these things increased his readiness if you're afraid or if you're fearful or if you want to hold back God has a way of getting to you to increase your readiness so here Jesus was spurring him on he says no man will set uh, set on you to hurt you for I have much people in this city and so that was a good place for Paul because he could go forth and do everything he needed to do and to uh, preach the gospel uh, so Paul of course was uh, at the end of this visit he was chased out of the city but he keeps going and he keeps preaching persecution never killed his readiness and that's what we need don't let anything kill your readiness I don't care how long you've been waiting on God to quote unquote prosper you he prospers you by getting you up every morning you you have life you have you know you have potential you have a chance to go forth and do things uh, when you're in your right mind you're in sound health and, and all of that stuff that's prosperity right there because you you're not sick and you're not debilitated you're able to take care of yourself and do what you need to do and so that's a, a good thing because it's it's a, a way that God has of encouraging us to keep doing what we do so we we see here we've established that Paul was indebted to do what he did that debt kept the zeal going that knowledge of you know there will come a day when we won't be able to preach this this gospel will end one day uh, the fact that that's always in the mix with us helps our readiness it helps your your obligation to preach the fact that you know even though nobody believes that it's going to happen tomorrow or happen today but we work like it is because I believe knowing that there's going to come an end to something makes you more conscious and more aware that you're obligated to do those things if it doesn't it should because it, it makes me understand that you don't have forever to, to share Christ with people you don't have forever to go pray for somebody 
or to uh, try and get some of the needs met of people uh, that you're dealing with. So this is a, a good thing, folks. The fact that we are spurred on by this time limit. Uh, this indebtedness all of these things pressure us and keep a constant uh, um, nudging in, in inside of us to go forth and preach the gospel it's not it's not something that you can sit on as though it's not good news you know this is something that you have uh, within you it was amazing to me when I I I got saved I didn't know anybody that I knew was a Christian or thought knew anything about God but I would ask church people uh, that I knew that went to church and time and again they would say oh yeah you know you know you uh, yeah uh, um, yeah just ask Jesus into your heart as though it was nothing and I got the impression number one they either didn't didn't hadn't done it hadn't repented because they all live like sinners you know I hate to say it but be careful how you live in front of people because I knew people that said they knew the Lord and could recite to you you know from the book of Romans you will be saved the salvation prayer but they never ever got it in them to be converted and so there's a place where you can know scripture and not avail yourself of it and then not live it as a witness before people the other thing is many of them were not spirit filled but they are spirit filled people who don't live right and so we have to be careful that in our indebtedness you're, that's part of your indebtedness you're indebted to live as a witness for Christ you're not in, you, you don't pay off this debt by living carnal and so when we live as witnesses before Christ that's part of this indebtedness your, your life is not your own you, you've got a, you're on display by God you're an open epistle people can tell you uh, even if they don't know you're a Christian once that's revealed to them they'll say they could tell something was different about you you know they'll say different or uh, something unique or something unusual but they'll all know it because you're an oh you're red folks you your mail is red all the time and so this this readiness always being ready don't ever think you can do it later or put it off sometimes if you're not sure God will make it known to you you know if your signals get crossed up some way that you don't understand that what you're supposed to say or when you're supposed to say it God will make it known to you so it's it's a good thing um, I was uh, recently at the hotel where I stay a young man walked past me and as I was passing him I thought ask him if he needs prayer but I kept walking because in my mind I'm thinking well maybe he doesn't maybe that's not me that's just me but before I could that could process anything he stopped and asked me if I would he said you got a few minutes that I you know you understand what I'm saying so even if you're not sure God will make you sure and I'm the the type of person is I don't usually hold my tongue I'm usually very bold about confronting these things because that's how my my insides work but you know it's it's sometimes too there's a delicate thing that needs to be done where a person might be bruised by the boldness if it's not you understand it's not with wisdom and so we we have to let God be God and confirm that that's what but it happened in a split second you know it didn't take much at all for God to say yes he's the one and so forth and so on number three Paul was not ashamed of the gospel got me he wasn't ashamed 
he made comments sometimes about others that he appreciated because they were not ashamed of his bonds as he said of his reputation of having been jailed and having been beaten and all of these things they were not ashamed of that or when he was dragged off to jail they didn't disconnect from him because they felt it wiser to put be at a distance from him you know there's some people that suffer persecution and get jailed and all of these things and there's nothing to be jailed for you understand what I'm saying then there's some who are, are bad people and or do bad things and they're in jail for their own not for the sake of the gospel and so we we have to know the difference as believers we have to know the difference uh, if a minister is is um, picked up on a DUI the gospel didn't make him drunk that's not communion wine that he was drinking that you understand what I'm saying there's a difference there they all need prayer folks but if somebody's just preaching the gospel like this this woman over in um, uh, where is she at anyway in prison Sudan that right Um, she's in jail for the gospel folks because she wasn't ashamed and she let them know she's not ashamed here's a woman just got married with one baby and another one on the way and she stands up for Christ you know I mean she's persecuted for the gospel she was told if she would renounce Christianity she could live and she said I'm not going to do it got me husband baby baby on the way versus Christ real easy for her she spoke up right away I'm not going to do it because Jesus is her life now you got me and if if he's with her he'll take care of husband baby and baby on the way you got me it's not not even something to think about and so in, but getting back to Paul in the ways that he showed he was not ashamed of the gospel in Acts 21 he's being warned that if he goes to Jerusalem that he's going to be bound there and and um, and not come back and this shows how how sometimes your spiritual connections and spiritual people who are around you spiritually will not understand the call of God or your response to the call of God in verse uh, 10 I think it starts he says as we tarried there many days there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus and when he was come to us he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said thus saith the Holy Ghost so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles and when we heard these things both we and that of that place besought him not to go so here are believers supportive of him generally encouraging of him sought besought him don't go to Jerusalem because this is going to happen to you and it kind of reminded me of the situation where Peter was with Jesus and tried to stop him from you know he says you're not going to die oh Lord I'll go with you all this and he said get thee behind me Satan he said you you savor or you care for the things of man not of God and so there's always that faithful people who usually encourage you to obey God because they are they have a different flavor now when they see the trouble coming ahead many times people react to things based on their own feelings rather than you or what God has 
for you. You got me? And you can't be moved by that stuff. You just can't be moved by it. And so Paul answered and he says, What do you what do you mean to, to, to weep and break my heart? How why are you putting me in this position? You got me? Just don't do this to me. He says, For I am ready not not just to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And cut this out. You know, stop it. <laughs> Get up and go. You know, every now and then people will say, Well, how do you go every weekend? How do you how to I no I don't think about it. You know, they come to pull you. You know, they think they're being helpful or being considerate you ain't consider you're not you didn't hear from God when you start talking to me like that so cut it out stop it you know stop it don't do that and so he says when he would not be persuaded we cease saying you know <laughs> we will the will of the Lord be done see they admitted they were going against God's will admitted it and he says and after those days we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem there went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and so forth and so on but this shows Paul's see if he were concerned about himself ashamed of the fact that he would be bound up and beaten when he got there I don't want to go through that anymore that's kind of like a pride thing you know because he'd been through it before and there's a lot of humiliation with it there's a lot not only physical discomfort and danger but there's a whole package of nonsense that goes with the persecution of of that comes with serving Christ and you can't be a person a prideful person and wanting to look a certain way and be a certain way and be thought of a certain way and serve God you're going to serve him however kind of way you <laughs> you want to you know what I'm saying you're going to look not so good sometimes serving God there are some times where you'll be exalted and sometimes you'll be a base too so you've got to deal with all that comes with the serving of Christ in in the preaching of the gospel so okay so we did that so he said he was ready to die for the gospel he's not ashamed being ashamed means choosing your life over the life that God has planned for you you want to go back and grab the old fig leaf and cover yourself up with it instead of living the life that Christ has for you. So he knew the danger that would come. He was already prepared for it and it surely came to pass that prophet of God spoke for God. But Paul already knew that whatever he faced he was, was better for him than turning away. It's always better to face it than to turn away from it. And so when he says he's ready to die and y'all stop this carrying on because I'm going anyway. They let him go and they quit. You know they quit doing what they were going to do. In Acts 22 we see another situation where Paul is bound and beaten. He preached the gospel and in verse 22 they wanted to kill him. Verse 22... Paul before the Roman court they gave him audience they gave him audience unto his word and then lifted up their voices and say away with such a fellow from the earth for it is not fit that he should live that's how angry people are at the gospel see we're getting more of it here in this country it's always subtle people will say well I'm not ready I don't want to you know I like my life that I have now now it's not just that gentle push away 
now it's like the rabid dog behind the the muzzle that they want to get at Christians now. It's getting more aggressive. Uh, and the devil's on the attack. It says, and as they cried out, verse 23, and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried against him. So they were ready to beat him and tell him why they were doing it. As they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the servant, centurion that stood by is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned and so then Paul starts on a different type of journey uh, one that would take him to Rome to be before Caesar Um, it's not clear if he did this to wiggle out of the beating which I don't blame him it ain't fun I'm sure but the other thing is that God worked it for his good See, he got to Rome. He was able to live there for some years before he was finally crucified. But the thing of it is, God can use these things. I mean, sometimes our efforts to get out of difficulty on our own so to speak sometimes will will work for our good. The other thing too is that they should not have been beating him. It was unlawful. And so Paul speaks up for himself that one time and he's set on a different type of a journey. So then if we go back to Acts 19, we'll see other activities. I'm sorry it's jumping back and forth, but as I was thinking of things to add to it, where we need to see his his, um, boldness in confidence in the gospel that comes by unction it this is not something you put on and something you pretend or something that's fake this is real it comes from your spirit it comes by unction it's the only thing that's in there when you open your mouth so to speak it's not something contrived or something you have to but you just yield yourself to the spirit of God and what comes out comes out more or less so in Acts chapter 19 in verses 8 says he went into the synagogue this is in Ephesus and it says and he spoke boldly for the space of three months disputing and persuading so you see there were times when the times were good they were exceptionally good he's got a three month booking so to speak you know God's bookings are always better than man's itinerant preachers are always looking to get their little dance card filled up you know if they got empty days they pray about that getting everything full filled up well he was there for three months disputing and persuading the things of God concerning the kingdom but when others were hardened and believed not but spoke evil of that way before the multitude he departed from them but he separated out his disciples so he started a school of ministry there by, by taking the people instead of staring there toughing it out with these people who didn't want Christ he goes and separates out and begins to grow these other ones up and he says and this continued by the space of two years so that they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks now in two years time can you imagine what a man with Paul's power and anointing could do in that area to to infuse the gospel there so it says he did that in Asia 
that's why people continue to send missionaries because the call is still there to go and continue to breathe life on the seeds that he planted over two centuries ago you see and so those the fact that these apostles were able to get to the places that they got to means that God is obligated now to bring the increase from those seeds that were planted so long ago it's important when we we share Christ with people folks because those seeds that we plant the Bible says some water some plant but God gives what the increase he will increase those seeds the increase is up to him yeah so in Acts 27 we'll see this other example and I think that'll be the last one I have on the Apostle Paul how's our time Miss Juana I was trying to get our time in there to, all right maybe not that much because we got to deduct our minutes from last time so remember that in Acts 27 in verse this is when Paul was was getting ready to go to Rome and he got on this boat he told them before they got on the boat that it wasn't going to end well and he warns them that there would be a storm coming and that there would be some damage and destruction but they get on there anyway so throughout this voyage Paul is seeking the Lord and seeking understanding for what's going to happen at the end of this journey am I going to live am I going to die it's going to be the end of it what's going to be the loss etc etc the storm comes up and in verse 20 it says when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared can you imagine just the blackness out in the middle of the sea in a storm raging and no small tempest lay on us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away but after long abstinence in other words Paul's not eating not drinking he stood forth in the midst of them and said sirs you should have hearkened to me that's apostles and prophets for you that finger in your tell you you did wrong so in the midst of them you should listen to me and not have loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss and now I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship so you're not saving any of this for there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord whose I am and whom I serve that's not ashamed in front of all these diverse people serving all kinds of weird gods Paul saying none of your gods showed up to tell you anything to help you he says but I serve the Lord Jesus Christ he says he told me don't be afraid Paul you must be brought before Caesar do you think God will save a whole ship of people just for one servant you better believe it I was listening to somebody's testimony years ago and this guy uh, was on a plane and they were having some turbulence and they kept putting on the seatbelt sign and people were all afraid and grabbing each other and this one man was sitting in the back and and, uh, somebody asked him you're mighty calm what are you so calm he said man I'm a preacher I'm a servant of God I know I'm going to get off this plane alive because I got an appointment (laughs) God's giving me an appointment to be somewhere and so this, this is very true you got me his confidence was in God it's not in anything of himself but it is in God and he says fear not Paul you must be brought before Caesar and lo God has given you all of them that say with you so the overflow 
of the salvation and blessing of God comes through the servant of God. You got me? And that overflow will save other people. That's how you get saved in your household. You're the one who's serving God and they are the overflow blessing. You got me? They get what you have by overflow. And he says, and he says, how be it we're going to go to a certain island. So God has given Paul the whole layout of what's going to happen to him. That's why when that, that snake bit him, he was able to shake it off. God probably showed him, now Paul you're going to be getting, getting your hands in some wood and the snake's going to try and bite you. He's going to bite you but shake it off and keep going. You got me? And so all of these things come before him so that he knows the outcome. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the whole nine yards. But he stands up and he declares that I serve God. He said I belong to him and I serve him. In other words I'm not ashamed. Don't ever let yourself get in a situation where you got to renounce God or can't speak boldly for God or you kind of they, they want to tell you well don't say that around don't pray in Jesus name they got all this stuff going around again and so we have to be careful as believers to never take up the shame of who we belong to never take up the shame you know that family shame that comes on people sometimes uh, that doesn't apply in the family of God Peter was ashamed of Christ for a while Paul said in Galatians 14 I withstood Peter because he was to be blamed he would get around the circumcised Jews and start obeying the law again which was not right and so after a certain place in the book of Acts you don't see Peter's Acts mentioned anymore because you know they're probably not worthy of of notation for us uh, the way God wanted us to remember the early work of the early church in this day and age you see many people ashamed of the gospel many times you know people are ashamed of some of our traditions in the church um, I I remember a time when when people began to teach on tithing they started to condemn people who would do fundraisers in church uh, well we don't sell chicken dinners around here we're tithers well why can't you do both huh some of the churches people were saved in were built on chicken dinners. You understand me? You can't, you don't substitute, you don't, why are you substituting? Let me put it that way. Why are you ashamed of what it took to get you to where you are, where you have the freedom now, people have been taught enough now where you can teach them about giving. And to my, my way of looking at it, Living without a lot of excess money kept people a little bit closer to the people, kept them a little bit more pure and honest before God. We didn't have people on television being hunted down by the federal government for their excess living. Even carnal people think it's excessive now. Where there was dignity and respect when we weren't trying to flaunt everything and live like the world lives and you know all this broadcasting of ostentatious living uh, we're supposed to not be in love with the world's goods folks and I think the more we can live like that the better off we are to be content with such things as we have to live more out of the spirit than out of the natural this world is not your home while you're trying to amass its goods like carnal people all of these things bring bring reproach folks you got to be careful how you live 
You gotta be careful. A lot of these things are excessive because people still have an appetite for the things of the world. We're not as secure in God as we think we are. And that, that comes from being ashamed of who we are and who we have been. You can let the early church be the early church. You can let the historical church be the historical church without picking up shame about where they've been. Many of the things we do as fundraisers uh, have worked out to be outreaches. Where you, I mean, even in the Catholic Church, when they would have raffles and stuff like that, you get the people down the street that you could never get by just having an invitation and a sign out that said open house. Even though I'm not in favor of gambling and raffles, that's just an example to show you how many of the things that we have used in our our lack to increase our finances have worked to further the gospel and reaching people to bring them in. Very hard to get people in sometimes without something that they can relate to and with, that they can attach to. It's, it's better to have something that people can enjoy and come in rather than a soup kitchen. Even though I know we have to feed the hungry, that seldom gets people in the door for to receive Christ. But you can get them easily if you have an open house, if you have a carnival. And you set up a podium out there where people, if you have a a skate night and you have an intermission where you share your testimony and ask people if they want to know more about this God you serve. You have that kind of stuff and you can draw people in. And your motivation was so that you can get extra money to do extra things in the church. You You can do a lot of things folks, creative ideas that we have had that we're now ashamed to have. So now we're at a loss for how to get people in again. You know, now we got to have the seeker friendly. We got to have the dumbed down gospel. We got to have all of these other things because we have grown ashamed of our heritage and are ashamed of what got us there. Many of the churches that people now are turning into. They're selling them as, as residences. They're selling them as bars. Other people's hard work went in to put every brick in some of those buildings. And I think it needs to be more appreciated. I don't, I don't dig this turning your nose up at certain ways to bring money into God's house. I mean I'm, I'm not talking about illegitimate things. I'm talking about legitimate things that people do. When we have our car washes. We buy dinners to support the church. That money you usually give to McDonald's now you give it to us so that we can do things with it there's nothing wrong with that except it takes a lot of hard work to do it and I think that's what people are resenting now we resent the way that the church was built in the old days people would take um, their skills and put up a building we don't want to do that anymore we want to raise three million dollars and call a builder you understand what I'm saying there's nothing wrong with building your own church by hand you understand me this this is just craziness that we now we're ashamed of where we came from we're ashamed of how we got there what are we going to be ashamed of next once shame comes into the family of God it never stops it'll fall on everything and so we have to be careful how we view our parents our forefathers where they came from what they did we love Paul but we don't want to be Paul you got me but if you love Paul you got to be willing to be Paul 
You understand and, and suffer these things because if God begins to, to bring them back to us as ways to keep the gospel going, we got to be willing to do them. We got to be willing to do them. There's so many places where people don't go forward in the gospel because it's not nice enough. It's not good enough. It's there's a stigma there, of of small things and small beginnings. But God starts everything off as a seed. And so if we keep in mind that we can't be ashamed of anything that the church has brought that's been from the hand of God, then we can stay faithful to God the way He wants us to be. Amen. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand who we are and understand the gospel we're not ashamed of any of the facets of the gospel any of the acts that we've done to keep the gospel in the earth and to make it available to more people so we thank you Lord God of heaven and earth for bringing us reality and truth and understanding and greatness in Jesus name amen praise God amen